0: From Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Podcast in Place Youth Stories from Quarantine, a series about youth in Alaska during the COVID 19 pandemic. We are bringing you stories, interviews, and audio diaries from teenagers and young adults stuck at home. I'm at me producer Ezra Dan recording this on my laptop at my girlfriend's house, since Admi's studio is closed for the time being. We've talked a lot about remote schooling on this podcast and how difficult it can be for teachers and students. But one thing we haven't really covered is how all this isolation affects youth and how school mental health resources are trying to meet those needs. So in this episode, we're going to hear from Cecilia McMorris, a school counselor at Hanshu Middle School. She spoke with At me senior producer, Quinn White, about the challenges of connecting with students remotely, how the pandemic is affecting youth's mental health, and building up a strong support system and community for all students.
1: So can you tell me about how your job has changed since the beginning of the pandemic?
2: Basically, we're, we're trying to do the same things but just via online. And so it's takes, it's kind of like, I was also a teacher. It's kind of like first year teaching where you have to go back and learn how to do things, but with just a different way. And so traditionally, if I've been doing honorable or something like that one way, it's changing. So now how am I gonna do that? How am I gonna give kids that online? So I'm looking at, the value of what I did. So, how useful was what I was doing and effective it was, and how can I bring that online? Sure, it's definitely a really huge transition
1: to go from, you know, doing everything as normal to being completely online. So, with that, um, what are some of the struggles that students have been going through as a result of the pandemic, and how do those struggles affect students both physically and emotionally?
2: For the most part, it's kind of individually, but as a whole, I think that students are, are dealing with grief, which is um, kind of messy. And so what they're getting from that grief is that loss of normalcy, the loss of connection. So that's where I think the struggles that they're facing that are emotionally, they're uncertain about the future. So that kind of brings fear and maybe anxiety or stress. Because there's been so many changes and things are commu- are continuing to change. Things are going to be different from the way that they used to be. You know, I kind of think of 9-11 and the airport. You know, once, even when this is over, it's gonna be different. And I think students don't necessarily know the future and understand like they haven't been through this kind of pandemic, even though it has happened before as adults, we know that. You know, a hundred years ago, there was a pandemic and there was an end. There is an end to this pandemic right now. And they're looking to us as um, adults to, for guidance and to model how we're responding to the stressful events.
1: For sure. I know it's stressful enough for adults. So, you know, I kind of, um, I've done a few stories about, um, ASD students since the beginning of the pandemic and I just kind of think of myself you know like I'm in college and I'm having such a hard time with all of this I can only imagine how hard of a time um, kids that are much younger than me are having.
2: The one thing about um, youth they're pretty resilient. Um, they they kind of feed off each other kind of like almost they especially middle school, their brain is growing and developing. So they kind of revert back to some of the stuff when they were even younger. So like if you think of a toddler, as they read the environment, they read the room, notice they'll look at your face and see how we're going to respond and how we act. And they feed off of that. And that's kind of what in middle school, their skills start relying on past coping skills that they have. um, And they try to do the best that they can. They basically are learning how to learn. So they're learning... um, skills needed to manage the change. And I guess some of the things that we're doing helps to address that like within the schools.
1: Have you noticed a new trend in grades or student academic progress since the transition to online learning?
2: So that's kind of like the individual thing where students are so individual. Some students um, are thriving, they're soaring at this online learning. Parents are saying they're more focused, they're getting things done, and some students are struggling. One thing that's cool about, I believe the Anchorage School District is, we have um, lots of resources and we've been able to offer a lot to students, but then it's still, there's still a lot that's new. And so that's where the struggling is coming in. What we're trying to do to help for that struggle is like so the after-school tutoring. We're going to be starting up small groups next week to try to meet students' needs. And we are actually a really large district, so it's kind of hard to um, meet every single student's needs. As a counselor, what is
1: your biggest concern regarding student mental health?
2: I think not forgetting that um, students are individual individuals and being able to relate and understand what they're going through in a sense of um, the change. Things are not gonna be the same as they were. Things aren't the same as they were. And so just understanding where students are at and then um, that they're individuals, that they are experiencing a grief and it's that loss of normalcy, that loss of experiences. Think about, I know I'm, we're in middle school, but you think about seniors, they're losing their senior year. You think even my seventh graders, they didn't get to experience um, coming to middle school, their first day of middle school, you know, coming to that environment. And so they may, you know, they may lose the whole seventh grade year. Eighth graders, they lose their last year in a sense of that normancy that they thought they were gonna have. And it's just that new normal, thinking of it more like that and looking at the positive um, that the mindset, but, um, for the help with the mental health as well, is students, they're needing structure, they need routines and they need predictability. And that's huge. And so I know like in our schools, we have different programs and different things and we're, we're keeping those and we're just changing the way that we do it to try to keep that um, structure, that predictability and, that, um, and those routines.
1: Can you tell me roughly how many students you oversee? I have about 305. You talked a lot about how each student has really individual needs. So with so many students to oversee, how do you ensure that all of them get the support that they need?
2: Well, what we really work on is um, trying to have a strong tier one and a tier one um, support system is where you um, meet all students needs so we give what we're giving is we're giving it to all students because we know that um it's going to benefit all students and so we have different things so as a counselor i all students have access to directly inbox me i created a canvas class where students can email me anytime that they want i have a zoom office hour where they can kind of pop all students can pop in and see me and They actually could pop on my Zoom anytime and it's gonna ping my email and I'll be able to um, try to jump on if I can or at least email them back. We try to have different, like I said, the tier one stuff. So Spirit Week, teachers do some of their own stuff, but as a counselor, um, we have an ambassador's program. So when we have new students, we try to connect those students with another student so that they, can navigate the new system. And we did that before within the school building as well, where they would give tours and show around. We have supports from the Indian Ed program and the Migrant Ed, their counselors are um, support staff where they can help with some of the students. One thing that really helps for counselors too is we um, are able to p- put students in multi tier system of support classes. so these classes, students in their math and their language arts, they're in classes at their ability level. We have a newcomers program. So students that are new from the country. So we have systems and programs in place where we can kind of place students. So right away, we're addressing needs. We're able to connect with community resources. After tier one, so we'll give tier one supports, lessons, information. We have um, a Yana group. So we have groups and things like that for all students. If students don't take advantage of that or if students need more moving on to tier two or tier three supports. um, That's where counselors also come in. We can do individual. We do crisis um, support. We do um, connecting with community. The community through COVID and the pandemic has created so many more um, resources for families and they have increased their program. I don't know the right word. They have made it where um, they can meet more needs within their programs. So for example, the the CTIC program has expanded. Their programs have even expanded and are, more people have been made aware, so we're going to be using them more. Providence Behavior Health, the VOA has partnered even stronger with the district. Um, we, we've always had a crisis team in the Anchor School District, but of course now it's being utilized a little bit more. You know, we have SROs and so on. And so we've been able to um, use our supports that we have.
1: Yeah, like you kind of just said, I'm sure. Um these resources are really kind of more in demand than ever. So how do you identify students who may be struggling and what steps do you take to help those students with mental health or educational support?
2: One thing that's really awesome with the middle school model that we have right now is um, we're still able to do the middle school model. And so at handshoe we have small, teachers have really small classes still. for the most part we have and their the students are on teams and so they're on teams with their core teachers so they they have four teachers that they see um that all see the same students and these teachers have time each day to meet and so teachers are able to meet and discuss students and notice things because they're the ones that are going to see them the most because they, they see them on zooms and um they actually have intervention plans as well so they have a, a protocol that they can follow and try different interventions and work together. We have a care team where st- um, teachers can refer students to these care teams as a counselor I can refer students as well and you know other staff can as well and so what we try to do is just wrap around these kiddos you know if it's if a teacher notices something wrong well and they'll notify me or a team does they'll bring it to the care team. Usually it's kind of like whoever notices that issue, they start with it. Um, I have time sometimes to check attendance and we can look at different factors that we know that's going to, that if that's occurring, if something's occurring, that it's gonna be a disadvantage for that student. So if students are attending school, we can try to outreach if, Students have Fs and Ds. So like as counselors, we send D and F letters. We know that those are putting those kids at red flags. So we communicate with families. We try to help families with resources as well. So like if a family needs help with, you know, keeping their lights on or if they need help or support with helping with homework because they just, they're working all day. What can we do? Things like that because families are struggling as well, just because once again, they're facing the same thing the students are, there's lots of change, there's the normalcy, not knowing, it's that grief every, you know, might not wanna em- admit it, but we're all experiencing that grief. And it may be just due to loss of normalcy or the change. I think it's really interesting that
1: you use the word grief because that's never really a word that I, um, that really came up for me before. Um, but I think that's um, a really good way to put it. And um, while you were just talking, I kind of um, get the sense that you guys are really trying to build this strong sense of community during a time where um, it kind of feels like. That image of community is kind of harder to see because we're all stuck at home.
2: Yes, and where I got the grief, in a sense, we had a training in it, and, out, and that was the same thing I got. That's it. That was it. Grief, because if you think about it, when you there's like stages in grief, and it's never in order, and it's there can always be more. But in general, you have you know your stages of grief. There's sometimes denial, anger, where you're trying to bargain depression and acceptance and it's like you go through all of that over and over again but yeah like you said I really like how you put it you know we are trying to make that community
1: yeah that's um really interesting because now that you said that I kind of recognize my um, own emotions going through the pandemic is kind of swirling through those six stages and man that's really something for me to think about so I appreciate that
0: We'll be right back. While schools provide supportive resources for students, it's important to know about other places to turn if you find yourself struggling. If you need someone to talk to, you can call the care line at 1-877-266-4357 or text 4HELP to 839863. The Caroline is free and confidential. They treat callers with respect and listen without judgment. Visit carolinealaska.com for more information. There is also the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Or if you don't know where to start, call 211 or contact Help Me Grow Alaska at one 464 2527 Yes, that's a lot of numbers to remember, but they are posted in the episode description of this podcast and listed on our website, alaskateenmedia.org. These resources are provided in collaboration with the State of Alaska Department of Health and Social Services and the Division of Behavioral Health. Now back to Quinn's interview with Cecilia McMorris.
1: So what mental health resources does the Anchorage School District offer students? And what is the process of taking advantage of those resources?
2: Just real quick before that question as well, if that's okay. When you were saying about that community too, it's it's there's so much that's already there and that we've been doing it and that we have, it's just utilizing it differently or trying to figure out how to how to use it different or how to do it different. But with the ASD resources, it's some of those programs that I've I said to you before, like the CITC, depending on the need. And that's where it's like so individual. I would speak with the family or the person, and then I would go and utilize the resources that we have in the community for the most part. Um, Within the schools, we have like the Yana Club. We have um, the Migrant Ed Program, the Indian Ed Resources. We have the ELL Resources, the ASD Crisis Team. We have SROs. We partner with certain companies like Providence Behavior Health. Once again, even if we're not necessarily partnered, if a family came to me and was like, hey, I'm really struggling. I want I'm not able to see my child. I really want to see my child. Is what you know, what do I do? Me and my wife are fighting or getting divorced. And then I might say, Oh, well, there's the um, self-help family law for that there's a resource that's available, or there's the um, there's actually one for Alaska Natives, as well. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but I have resources on that. So I just work in the so individually with the families to get help that they need. You know, we utilize the 211 number and all those resources as well. Um, we help the process, we help people through the process of making referrals, like if they need to make that referral, we can um, encourage the use, uh, we can encourage assessments if we believe um, assessments are recommended but our job is just to make those connections and support them how we can
1: what would you say to students who might be hesitant to seek support
2: sure that's our biggest challenge um, I think with the virtual in a sense of um, students who are not engaging in a sense are not reaching out so for example as simple as if it was in classroom, if they they're not engaging or asking questions or raising their hand or wanting to turn on their camera, or in the Zoom, there's not much a teacher can do. If we we're actually in the building, the teacher could walk by, touch you know, touch the desk or encourage them, give them a smile, and see that be a little more personal. It's really we do the best that we can, and so um, we try to reach out to parents. We do different avenues and we have the different touches in a sense where like the teacher sees them, we have the team, electives, we try to get them. We, With our programs as well, we have been to homes. So we drop off the computers, we try to do that. The biggest thing is trying to connect first. Usually if a student's not gonna reach out, it's because they don't feel connected. If Usually if you can connect with a student, they're going to um, try to reach out with you. Well, and are sometimes if maybe they're embarrassed or they feel like they're the only ones, And that's the cool thing about like Yana and other peer led um, act- our groups, our clubs and things like that. Is Sometimes they'll reach out to a peer. And so I think that's been one of the strong points as well is just encouraging peers to share what they know and a peer will say, oh, so-and-so said this or so-and-so. And then we can go that route and talk with family.
1: You definitely touched on this, but what can our community and families do to help support students during this difficult
2: time? I think help develop resilience in students, you know, not getting tired of doing good because our students are really counting on us. So having those routines and predictability, having that structure, it's really needed. We have to um, reinsure students. That this is going to pass. We have to listen to them when they talk to us and respond in helpful ways. You know, sometimes as adults, we don't always we give we give an answer, but it might not be helpful. We have to limit our, the exposure of the negativity. Teach and model gratitude. Teach. Um, focus on what we can control, and that's our routines, our own spaces, and things like that. As a community too, I mean, kind of connect, connecting back to social supports and community supports because school isn't the only place for connection. There's churches, there's different activities, you know, sports, a lot of community sports, are there's community crafts and hobbies that are going on. There's community can connect others to those resources. They have the Boys and Girls Club, YMCA, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. But most of all, um, I learned this in one of my classes that I took and I thought it was pretty cool, but give first aid. I mean, as a counselor, that's what I do, but we all can do that. And that's basically you help a person that needs it basically before treatment can be obtained. And that's basically making referrals or sharing resources or if you notice your neighbor really struggling, call for a wellness check if they need that, you know what I mean? And sharing that 1-800-273-TALK hotline, that number, people can call that number for whatever just to talk and they will help you get whatever resources you need. I mean, it's not just a suicidal hotline number, that's a line for when you need to talk to somebody. Not having people depend on one person because as human beings, we're gonna fail at some point or another, or we might let somebody down, but there's people out there that will help and that can help. And um, learning how to accept help, you know, helping each other and accepting help. I love how when the community—I think I saw it in the news—how they, the kids, started some food boxes and people give and take, give what you can, take what you need. And I know they did that a lot in the states because Alaska is very fortunate. Um, state where we're not as um economically hurt as some of the other states are and um but it was really awesome well some people can't give food but they gave clothes some people gave um you know gave food and they needed clothes and so on but we we kind of got to get back to the community in a sense of trying to depend on one unity our you know, somebody else necessarily, where we have each other, you know, it's awesome when you need eggs, you can go to your neighbor, your neighbor can go to you. And it seems like that kind of was, it's getting lost where we're, we're not having that connection with people.
1: You know, like you said, it's, it's a really hard time. And sometimes it's kind of hard to um, see that light at the end of the tunnel. So staying positive right now, and encouraging others to do the same is really, really important.
2: Yes, and it could and it be as simple. What we do at Handshoe, which is really cool, is um, we focus on capturing kids' hearts and they start the day with good things because you don't even think about it. And when someone asks, it's so hard to, to answer that question, I know, because we have we do it with our staff as well. But when you, you're getting a mindset, what's something that you can be grateful for? What's something that's good that happened? It, it's gonna bring you more um, into the moment, into the present, instead of you know that fear or that anxiety, worrying about what's gonna happen or what has happened in a sense of, um, cause there's always someone worse, worse off and there's always someone that's doing better, but you're focusing on what you, where you're at and what you have.
1: For sure. So I know we covered a lot in our conversation, but is there anything we didn't talk about that you might like to add?
2: I think this is a great time. Um, Middle schoolers, I can speak on them because I'm working with them right now, but they're navigating natural changes that occur during adolescent development. So they're already going to have some of their struggles. And that's um, a challenge for some parents as well. But um, physically, mentally, socially, and emotionally, they're they're going through that developmental changes. And just remembering that um, this can be stressful for parents and that they're looking towards their parents and adults to how to respond to these events. But it's a great time for students to be learning new skills, growth mindset, you know, like um, having that positivity growth mindset. They can learn how to cook. They can learn new hobbies, clean. Um, how to, They're learning how to be responsible for their learning. They can learn about accepting help from others and giving help to others that kind of like that food pantry drive. Um, they can learn how to connect with neighbors or maybe elderly shoveling people's driveways just because they're bored or you know it's a time where even though we're being um physically dense distance we 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 don't have to be socially distant and i wish they would have said physical distance instead of social distance um, in the start of this pandemic but because building relationships you can build relationships with it and putting in that extra work they're going to be better at building relationships if they start if they have to do it more um online and telephone and not and being physically distanced but they can even do they can be learning life skills like opening bank accounts saving you know learning how to manage stress and emotions they can be building on their strengths because um we didn't always have school in a sense, or the first four years when the kids learn the most, they're usually not in school. So there's so much still to be learning and growing. And I hope that people are are looking towards the future. I mean, they're looking at they're looking at what good can come out of it. Cause school is just a foundation for learning. There's so much to learn from life, the world, and others. And I think sometimes we can limit ourselves when we're looking at what we're miss when you're looking in the rearview mirror and like what you're missing out of are your, you know what could have been what would have been or what you want to be but it's not what it is so living in that present and and going from there
0: that was at me senior producer quinn white speaking with cecilia mcmorris school counselor at hanshu middle school you have been listening to podcast in place youth stories from quarantine from alaska Teen media institute our show's theme music was composed by devin schreckengost with additional music by kendrick white stay tuned for more stories from quarantined youth you can find these stories at alaskateenmedia.org where we have included resources for youth during quarantine in partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Dena'ina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including the Alaska Press Club, John O'Hara, and James McCoy. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth of Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like me. Just go to patreon.com backslash Alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating or writing a review of our series on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskatinemedia.org. There you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more youth-produced content, or find out how to get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Ezra Dan thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. We'll get through this together.